Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Yumiko Nakagawa, and I'm one of the pastors here at Wellspring Church. And it is great to worship with you on the second Sunday of May. You know, there are 52 Sundays in a year. I didn't know this until this week. Maybe that's a common sense. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. There's a 52 weeks. <laughs> anyway, I was counting. I was like, oh, 52. Um, but there are actually, out of all 52 Sundays that we gather, there are few Sundays that many people choose to come to worship at church, even though that might not be something they do every Sunday, right? Those few Sundays include Sunday like Easter or Christmas. On the other hand, there's actually one Sunday in an entire year. Some people choose not to come to church. Even it is a part of their routine is to come for the rest of 51 Sundays at church. And that's the second Sunday of May today. And that's because for some people, this is the day that reminds them, reminds them of what they lost or what they don't have, even though they have prayed and have prayed and have prayed about it. Mother's Day is a wonderful occasion to celebrate mothers. But it also can be the day which reminds some of us and some of them their unanswered prayers. And if that's you today, I am so glad you join us to worship today. Thank you. On this Mother's Day, I, I would like us to talk about, I'd like us to read about Mary. Jesus' mother from the Gospel of John 19. Uh, the passage is printed on the bulletin and it will be showing up on the screen for those who are watching online. Actually, if you remember, if you have a really good memory, this is the passage that Pastor Cheryl shared reflection and testimony at Good Friday service. And she shared how this particular passage that we're going to read today is true and alive in her life. It was a great testimony and a reflection which I don't think is available in recordings, but she's here, so if you want to, she's there <laughs> to ask. As she mentioned that time, today's passage tells us about Jesus' last moment on this earth. On that cross, Jesus is being on the cross, and Jesus was in a great pain. His bones was crushed, his skin was ripped, and the blood was flowing down. He was covered in sweat, dust, and blood. And it wasn't just his body that was in great pain that moment. His heart was also filled with pain and sorrow. At the foot of the cross, he saw only a few people. It was just several days ago on Palm Sunday when the crowds were shouting, the whole town was erupting, saying, Hosanna! Hosanna, Jesus, you are the king and we love you. The crowd was there. The crowds were gone. The disciples who shared life together and journeyed all over Israel for years, the disciples who pledged never leave his side, most of them were also gone. 
Jesus loved each and one of the crowds and the disciples and everyone so much, so, so much that he was willing to die for them, but many of them have abandoned Jesus. Because people were disappointed with Jesus. Jesus didn't save Israel as from the hands of Romans as they have expected. So for many people, Jesus was a failed Messiah. And some people were too scared of Romans, of what the Romans could do. So they left Jesus too. And there are some people just, they don't know what to do. So they just left. And that wasn't all. Jesus knew an even greater separation and pain was to come. The separation from the Father, God, and the Holy Spirit, which would bring excruciating pain for Jesus. And also there's another separation was to come, which was to leave his beloved disciple John and his mother Mary. John, who remained faithful to Jesus till the last moment of his life on this earth. And Mary, a strong mother, who birthed him despite all the challenges and raised him and supported him before and during his ministry on this earth. I wonder, on the cross, looking at John and Mary, I wonder if leaving these people loved Jesus and Jesus loved. I wonder if that was the one of the hardest things Jesus had to do on this earth. And perhaps that's something that some of you are familiar with. Maybe some of you understand deeply Jesus' pain through your own experience of losing your own mother or someone important to you. But perhaps the pain and desperation of Mary is something that's familiar to you as you have lost your own. In the midst of such a painful moment for Jesus, Mary, John, and everyone who was there, this is what Jesus said. Woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. In that moment, Jesus didn't say, I'm sorry, mom, I have to go. Or thank you, mom, I love you. He didn't say to John, like, can you please look after my mother? Instead, Jesus said, Mary, from this moment on, John will be your son. And John, Mary is going to be your mother. What's going on in here? As you can read, if you have a good vision, <laughs> and uh, you also have it on a bulletin, as you can read in a text, today's text, which is John 19, 25 to 27, at the foot of the cross, there were five people. There was Jesus' mother, Mary, Mary's sister, and another Mary, who is the wife of Oclopus, and also another Mary from, from Magdalene, along with those four Mary, four, not four Marys, three Marys, four women, with John, beloved disciples. There are two different group of people here. One group is Jesus' family, 
right? His mother, his aunt, which is Mary's sister, and some scholars actually think that Mary, the wife of Clopas, not the Magdalene, the wife of Clopas was also Jesus' aunt, so that makes three family members there. Another group here is this, the friends and disciples of Jesus. John and Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, were not related to Jesus, but were disciples and friends of Jesus. Family and friends, there were two different groups of people at the cross. But to Jesus, there was only one group of people there. And that group of people is the group of people who followed Jesus till the end. Even when it was dangerous for them to do so, even when everybody else left Jesus, these are the people who didn't leave Jesus' side. Earlier in Jesus' life, Jesus defined the family as those who does the will of my Father in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. And I think what we see in this John 19 is a very clear, distinct picture of what Jesus meant as his family. Jesus' family is anyone, anyone who does the will of Jesus' Father. That's the family to Jesus. People who follow Jesus till the end and have found each other at the foot of the cross of our Savior, that's Jesus' family. On the cross, to Jesus, family wasn't the people who were related to him, but the people who were doing God's will just as Jesus was on the cross. What Jesus saw, Jesus saw as his family on the cross was much more than what we think the family is. Today's scripture t presents us this magnificent image of family. And compare against the, what the, the text portrays, our understanding of family is, I must say, is rather limited. Limited like Hawaiian pizza. Yes, I'll explain. <laughs> Unless you got it, then we can move on. <laughs> in Japan, and really anywhere outside of Hawaii, people like us from outside of Hawaii just think putting pineapple thinks Hawaiian. You put pineapple on a pizza, it's a Hawaiian pizza. And I've only lived here for very short years, a couple years, and I've only tried so many things, but even I know that's such a shallow, imperfect, almost insulting way of embodying what Hawaii offers. I mean, what about papaya, mango, jabon, lilikoi? What about poi? Don't forget taro donuts. Or what about lao lao, palsami, chicken, long rice? What else? Pensat, lumpia, cake noodles, galji. Salmon salad, pastel, pastel stew, mijan, poke, big fish soup, salmon salad, nishime, lehim, masada, andagi. I can go on, and I'm sure list is longer. I'm sure you can actually think of a longer list than what I said, but the point is, not to say I don't like pie, um, the Hawaiian pizza, but the point is sprinkling 
pineapple wouldn't do justice to embody what makes Hawaii Hawaii, right? But I think that's what we, the Christians, sometimes do to the idea of family in Christ. We often sprinkle the word church or Christians and think that will make a community God's family. Christians often equate God's family with the church. And it may be just me, but what I see in today's text in John 19 is a bit more than we know today as church or Christian community. Because what I see in John 19 is not just another social group. It's not just another place for Mary and John to belong. It wasn't a place where they got what they didn't get from their own family. God's family I see in John 19 wasn't a backup. It wasn't a replacement. It wasn't just another version of social unit that handles spirituality. Mary and John, in today's passage, gives us a picture of God's family, family in Christ. The text says, from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. In historical records, that's not included in this passage, but the record tells us that Mary actually lived another 11 years after Jesus' death. And in those 11 years, Mary went with John as he went on a mission of his work, mission of work of Jesus, and John took care of Mary until she died. Mary and John lived as a family unit, not because they were related by blood, or there was no one else who could take care of Mary, because Jesus' brother could have taken care of her, and that would probably be a more conventional way to go about. But Mary lived as John's family, and John as Mary, because Jesus pronounced them as a family. And this was not a family that they had each other only when they're on this earth. This was the family in eternity. Mary and John, along with many, many, many people, are now the family of Christ, adopted into God's family through the blood of Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. We say this a lot, which means a lot of things, and such a fascinating matter for us to reflect and study upon it. Uh, and I'm sure other preachers on a preaching team could do a fantastic job of explaining this to you in a wonderful way. Unfortunately, your today's preacher is not smart enough to explain <laughs> what the blood of Jesus Christ does in a simple, clear, concise, and fair and a faithful way in three sentences. So I'm not gonna do that. Uh, instead, I am going to highlight one thing the blood of Jesus Christ did to Mary and John. And some of you may be able to relate to this. Um, as some of you have experienced, often the experience of losing and loving someone, loving and losing in that order, as someone draws people near and closer together. And I think that's one of the things the blood of Jesus did to Mary and John here. Mary and John both believed in Jesus, loved Jesus, 
witnessed Jesus' indescribable pain and shared the pain of losing their beloved Jesus. And it is not hard for us to imagine how that shared pain brought them closer. And I learned this from my friend. Her name is Minami. Right after the great Tohoku tsunami earthquake in 2011, Minami went to Japan and started a nonprofit called Beyond Tomorrow to support students who were affected by earthquake and tsunami. Beyond Tomorrow provided scholarship for students to go to college, programs to equip them as a future leaders, and a space for these brave young souls to connect with each other. Those students, or the Beyond Kids, as Minami would call them, had this tremendous opportunities through Beyond Tomorrow. Right? They actually got to meet high-profile leaders and sit down and be, um, be um, I guess, mentored and then talk to and learn from uh, really high-profile leaders such as Prime Minister of Japan and First Lady, um, CEOs from top companies in Japan like Twitter Japan. Beyond Tomorrow also would bring those students to the U.S. and Europe so that they get to see the world. And I, I, every time she shared about her program, I always tell her, like, oh, I'll pay, name the price, I'll pay that to be with Prime Minister and talk to the Twitter Japan CEO and go all over the world. Um, but it was only for the Beyond the Kids, I couldn't go. But w when I ask those kids, you know, when I get to see them or when I read their report and ask, hey, so what is the best thing about Beyond Tomorrow experience you had? What is the best thing you experienced in there? When those kids were asked, it wasn't the meeting with prime minister, taking pictures with first lady. It wasn't the trip to DC, but it was the fact that they got to meet and spend time with other young people who had experienced the same horrific disaster. A high schooler who lost everything, his house, his family, all his pictures, all his belongings, got to meet another high schooler from different parts of Otohoku who went through exact the same thing. A teenager who had to make, as she was running away from this tsunami catching up with her family, a teenager girl who had to make this gut-wrenching wrenching decision between keep running and save her own life and leaving her mother and grandmother behind or stay with them and die with them. She finally got to open up with other teenagers who had maybe not exact the same, but similar experience and pain. They got to meet other people who know what's it like for them to be at that place on, that mar on a day in March 2011. They got to know what's it like for them to meet somebody who know what's it like for them to experience what they have experienced and to survive and continue to live after losing so much. They bonded deeply with each other and they bonded in a way, with each other in a way that they couldn't and wouldn't and didn't with any other people. And I wonder if seeing Jesus dying such a brutal death on the cross felt like a great earthquake for Mary and John. 
to see violence and even take evil taking away their loved one. And to feel so helpless in the face of death. And to be so angry at everything, everything that took away Jesus, the Romans, the soldiers, the system, the crowds who didn't stand up, including own helplessness. Feel so empty because nothing would bring back the loved one. And to feel so isolated because it feels like no one knows and understands how they felt. No one except for the people who stood next to you. Mary and John were at the foot of the cross, witnessing the suffering of Jesus together. And imagine they continue to live. As they continue to live, they will hold the image of Jesus dying on the cross and his last moments and his struggles. And they must have struggled and have felt so many different emotions in waves in so many different times. I would also imagine that they will remember how Jesus was, how wonderful person he was. And they remember the love that Jesus had for them. And I wonder how. I imagine how that would give gave them strength to go on. If that experience doesn't bond you with someone, I don't know what would. In John 19, what we see is a family in Christ. A group of people who did God's will and followed Jesus till the end. People who witnessed the blood of Jesus and people who were changed by it. For them, family meant much more than people related by blood or people who are like-minded but the people who are bound by Christ's blood. And that's the family in eternity. That's what I see in today's text. And as I read this text, I kept kind of asking the question of, am I doing God's will? Am I? being a part of God's family? Are we wellspring? Are we a God's family? I don't have an answer. I'm, I'm not asking as question to say this is what I think. I'm just sharing what the question that I was going through. So I'll just leave you with the question and the text but um, before we end this time, I actually um, have a question specific to a group of people um, who are sad today. If I may ask, I wanted to ask if today's a sad day for you, I wanted to ask if there is someone beside you today. Maybe you are someone whose prayer for motherhood was never answered. You prayed and prayed and prayed and tried all sorts of things, and yet nothing. 
If that's you, is there anyone standing next to you who know your pain, who dread the second Sunday of May as much as you do? Maybe you're sad today because you lost your child. And just like Mary, who lost a child whose prayers were unanswered and her son taken away, you are sad today. For some of you, your mother was someone that you never loved or who loved you. Maybe you never knew who your mother was. Or maybe just, just hearing the word mother makes your heart sink for whatever the reason is. And then if that's you here in this whole time of me talking about God's family, probably doesn't mean very much understandably uh, and for some of you today's a sad day because it reminds you that your mother's gone maybe it's your first mother's day that you can't call your mom or maybe it's been so many years but today's the day you remember oh my mom is gone In the past, when I preach a similar message on Mother's Day, I would end this sermon, I would end a sermon with this kind of lofty, hefty Christian speech about, oh, you know, Jesus knows your pain, or God's family is your real family now. And I do believe all of that still, but today that, that's not the message was placed in my heart. What I'm gonna say is nothing inspiring. It's not practical. It, I'm not even sure how that connects to the John 19, but this is the word that was placed in my heart. If you are sad today, the word I bring to you is thank you. Thank you for being here today. Today is not a happy day for some of us. And I'm so grateful that you are here, standing at the foot of the cross together. And if it's okay, I would like to read the two passages to end this time. Hear the, God's, hear the word of God written in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew 12 and the Gospel of John 19. Matthew 12, 45 to 50. Suddenly, while he was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers came and stood outside, hoping for a chance to speak to him. Look, someone said to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Who is my mother? Said Jesus to the person who had spoken to him. And who are my brothers? Then he stretched out his hand toward his disciples, said, look, here are my mother and my brothers. Yes, anyone, anyone who does what my heavenly father wants is my brother and my sister and my mother. And later on, this is what Jesus said as it's written in the Gospel of John. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. 
to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. This is the love and the word of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. And we give thanks to our God. Amen.